Welcome to the latest episode of Franz Ward's podcast series, Shoveling Smoke. I'm Alana Guy, an associate at Franz Ward, and I'm hosting today's discussion with my friend and colleague, Mike Gibbons. Mike is also an associate here at Franz Ward. He's focusing his practice on corporate law matters and works on real estate and M&A transactions. He also advises business entities on general corporate matters, including corporate compliance, which brings us to today's discussion topic regarding Ohio's revised Limited Liability Company Act. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hi, Alana. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Mike, I know you live downtown, and as the weather is beginning to break, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to as we're hopefully leaving those winter months behind us? Yeah, so I'm very excited for the uh, the restaurants on East 4th to open back up. I really enjoy when they would open their garage doors and kind of bring all of their tables out onto the street so you could sit down, you could walk up and down and, and kind of hop from restaurant to restaurant. It's a good time. That sounds awesome. I know I'm definitely ready for patio season. All right. So before we dive into the specifics of Ohio's Revised Limited Liability Company Act, Mike, can you tell us a little bit of background on why the Revised Act, what the Revised Act is, and why we want to educate our listeners on it? Yeah. So the Revised Act is going to be effective on February 11th. That is when all the new legislation will kind of come into effect. That's when you need to start using the new forms to file on the Secretary of State's website. So that was this last month. But generally, this is the Ohio legislature's attempt to kind of modernize the LLC laws in Ohio. And really, that just means that they're attempting to give our LLCs greater freedoms to structure their entities and to transact. That's great. And you know what? We're in a field that has been known from time to time to lag behind others and other industries a little bit. So I think some modernization certainly can't hurt. All right. So is this revised act only applicable then to the LLCs that were formed after February 11th, 2022? Or do all of the LLCs in Ohio need to be aware of these changes and make sure they're in compliance with them? Uh, No, this is applicable to all LLCs. It does not matter if the LLCs are being formed after this takes effect or before. All LLCs will be required to update their operating agreements and to make sure they're up to date with this new code. That's really good to know, especially as we're heading into the spring here, because all, all of this is in effect already. Okay, so for all of our clients that are LLCs, whether they were formed 20 years ago, yesterday, or they're going to be formed in the future, everyone's paying attention to these new rules. So why don't you talk to us then about some of the most important changes that the LLC should be aware of? So generally, the Revise Act is to serve as default provisions. When an LLC is created, these are the provisions that will govern the LLC unless an operating agreement is made. And the Revised Act will kind of guide what can and cannot be in the operating agreement. Well, the previous 1705 had some ambiguous language and certain provisions in there that would confuse people as to whether or not they had to be put into operating agreements or whether they could be uh, drafted around. 1706 has since changed that. They have removed statements such as otherwise provided for in the operating agreement, things that would cause confusion. And now it's just an enumeration of what can and cannot be drafted into an operating agreement, what needs to be in place. There's also significantly more freedoms as to how you can structure your LLC. Originally, there was the the two 
different options the, the manager managed or the member managed that's no longer the case. And also it's just, uh, it allows you to limit your exposure to liability through the waiver of certain fiduciary duties. It allows you to shield assets. Those are helpful changes to know, Mike. Thank you. And honestly, from my perspective, that sounds like to me that an operating agreement is even more important now than ever. You know, before there were all these default provisions and it was ambiguous and ambiguity can either be a lawyer's best friend or their worst nightmare. But now we have this opportunity to really help our clients as they're thinking about how they want their company to be structured and operating. And we can put that all on paper so there is no ambiguity. And, you know, last year, Chris Kaler and I were on this podcast and we were talking about the importance of adopting governing documents And not only that, but the importance of reviewing them periodically. It's so often that companies will draft documents, throw them in their drawers, and not look at them until there's some sort of dispute. And if that document was drafted long ago, it might not even be applicable to the company anymore. And now in this instance, it might be out of date with regard to the laws. And so from my perspective, at least, this is the perfect time for LLCs to take a look at that operating agreement dust it off a little bit in light of this revised act. And, you know, maybe that's something that's done with their lawyer and maybe not. This is not necessarily, you know, a push for every company to go call their lawyers and look at their their operating agreements. But for some companies, it, it might be necessary to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly because with this greater flexibility, there are certain things that may have been holding certain companies back especially with how the members are being treated or just how certain decisions are being made. And it it can slow down the processes a lot. But now because of this, there's a lot greater opportunity to uh, agree upon certain structures or duties by contract, as well as change some key default language. But for instance, the Revise Act now allows to eliminate a lot of fiduciary duties that managers and members owed to the company, as well as to the other members. Things like the duty of loyalty. That's always been a significant issue because certain members might also be members of different LLCs. And there can be an issue when you're working with somebody else who may be a competitor, but you still want to give your expert advice to this particular company. And that kind of gets into murky water. Whereas now you can opt out of this fiduciary duty of loyalty, in which case you can have these people have more hands-on like work with your company while also maybe working with another competing company. Yeah, that's, that's actually really a good point because before disclaiming those duties, somebody might have been uncomfortable or worried about the fallback if they were trying to engage in multiple companies. And honestly, an LLC might have missed out on some really great expertise from somebody if they weren't able to disclaim that duty of loyalty previously. So I think we're actually going to see a lot more negotiation when drafting operating agreements around those fiduciary duties and what is going to be expected, what are we disclaiming, and maybe not so much in the closer held companies that are one or two members or family companies, but for more sophisticated companies that are 
which we are seeing more sophisticated companies forming as LLCs now, as opposed to at one time they were all corporations. And that was oftentimes specifically because the lack of law regarding LLCs. Now we're in a a phase now where we have a revised act in Ohio, which means the law is more sophisticated and companies are oftentimes opting to be formed as limited liability companies. So this is all, I think, really great as we're moving forward. And as we're talking about this authority, Mike, let's talk about the governance structure a little bit. And because you mentioned that there's some new governing structures and management structures allowed under the revised act, but let's hear a little bit more about the specifics from you. So previously, LLCs had to designate one of two options, whether it was manager-managed or member-managed. They had to enumerate the powers and the duties of those members or, or managers within the operating agreement, and that was kind of step number one. Now that's changed a fair bit. First off, this dichotomy of either manager managed or member managed is no longer a thing. You have the ability to structure your governance in any way that you want. That may look like a board of directors that may still be a single manager managing the LLC, but it's up to you and it gives you significantly more flexibility. Also, you no longer have to know exactly who you want to manage the organization immediately. They have given the ability to designate agents at different times, regardless of of who that person is within the organization. Obviously, you can still use the operating agreement to designate an agent and their powers. However, you can now do so through a written consent of the members at any point in time. You can file what is called a statement of of authority with the Secretary of State, or you can rely on the default rules of the LLC Act. Previously, the LLC default rules would create a member-managed organization where the members had a pro rata share of power. So if somebody had an 80% ownership in the company, whereas their partner had a, or the, the other member had a 20% stake, Obviously, that person with the 80% ownership would have 80% of voting power. And uh, they've kind of veered away from that to try and it looks to protect those who are in kind of a minority position. And now it's just based on per capita. So if you have two members, they will each have a 50% voting power, which can be very helpful. That's really important. And what I'm hearing here is that that default rule might not be advantageous to the same people that it once was. And so that's why it's even more important to be thinking about this and designating in the operating agreement what that management structure is, who can decide on what types of decisions, how great of a weight their voting power holds, and really just a nice opportunity for LLCs to think about what makes most sense for their company and to designate their management structure based on that. All right. Changing gears a little bit, moving away from the management, because I think we could talk about that, honestly, for a whole podcast in and of itself. But I don't know about you, Mike, but the series LLCs have been creating quite a buzz over the last year or even a little longer. But really starting last fall, clients have been calling me asking us questions about series LLCs. Should they be structuring their companies in series LLCs? 
And particularly, I've been getting the question from a lot of -of out-of-state clients who have either used them in other jurisdictions or either in-state or out-of-state clients acquiring companies in other states that have subsidiary entities set up through series. And, you know, everyone wants to know what's your what's your thought on them. But more specifically, since this is a new thing allowed in Ohio, what are the general impacts for Ohio? What does this mean for us here? And what is a series LLC? Maybe, maybe we should start there. Yeah. So a series LLC is basically a LLC that you can break into a parent and subsidiary within the same entity. So there's a master LLC, and then you can create series underneath them, which are part of the same entity itself. They're under the same organization documents, but they can stand on their own as legal entities. They can hold assets. They can sue or be sued. They can have their own governance structures. But this was kind of created to simplify those times when individuals have multiple different LLCs holding different assets that are all placed underneath one parent company just to, to limit liability. And you know, keeping track of all of that can be very difficult. There's a lot of organizational documents that go into it. There's I don't know if you've ever tried to get resolution pages for seven different LLCs all just for one parent company. It, it can be confusing. But this is essentially a way to simplify that by placing them all within one entity, but protecting each other so that if one entity were to go bankrupt, the creditors of that particular series cannot go for any of the assets in any of the other series or even the master. One thing, though, that I mentioned previously is the tax treatment is not really fleshed out. They're not. IRS has been unsure as to as to how they would like to treat the taxes for for the series. But recently, they have just kind of taken how the master entity has designated their taxing, and that's kind of how the rest of the company or the rest of the series are are taxed. So. If the master decides they want to be taxed as a partnership, then the series underneath them will will likely be taxed as a partnership as well. That's really interesting. And from my perspective, I just heard two things that are awesome. And one is that Ohio is, I mean, we're not leading the charge. We're the 14th state, but we're one of the novel states in this area. So that's great for us. But number two I don't know. Maybe I can convince you to get back on the podcast soon and talk to our listeners more about the pros and the cons of the series LLCs and really dive into some of that nitty gritty because as it is developing and becoming a newer area, I think people are going to want to hear more specifically on those pros and cons and whether or not they should go that route or stay in the traditional lane. But all right, Mike, we always like to leave our listeners with a couple takeaways when we're finishing up these podcasts. So what do you have for us today? Yeah, so I'll give you three takeaways. One, revised LLC Act is applicable to all LLCs registered in Ohio, not just ones created today or created before this. Two, set up your management in the way that you think works best and develop your operating agreement to give your company more freedoms. And three, make sure you review your current operating agreements to ensure that you're up to date on any new language that's put in the revised act. All right, to recap, every LLC member should be aware of these changes. Make your management structure work for your company. 
and then as always, reevaluate those operating agreements. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to our next discussion. Shoveling Smoke is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Our producer and audio engineer is Sean Rule Hoffman. Thanks for listening.